Thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity to know God. For more information, including locations, service times, and small groups, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Let's jump into the message. What's up, LifePoint Church? How y'all doing today? Come on, everybody. Man, what a great time to be together. Welcome, welcome, and happy Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, welcome to LifePoint Church. First of all, if this is your first time with us, we wanna say a big welcome to you, LifePoint. Can we say hello to our first time guests, everybody? Come on, we're glad you're here. Maybe you're in from out of town or visiting family. We wanna say welcome. My name's Mike Burnett. My wife, Stephanie, and I are honored to serve as pastors here. I wanna say welcome to you. If you have, uh, if you can, please scan the QR code either on the seat back in front of you or you saw it on our screen. Also, you can fill out a connection card in the seat back in front of you as well. And just hand that to whoever brought you or as you leave the room, one of our hosts will take that from you as well. It's great to have all of you with us today. Welcome to our Austin P. State University campus and our online campus. We love you guys, you're everywhere, and we're so glad to be with you guys. Hey, how was Thanksgiving? Great, great. How many ate all their favorite stuff, right? Got to watch a game or two. How many of you had a dysfunctional family holiday? Come on now, let's just kidding. Don't raise your hand, please don't. Uh, some of you are like, right here. <laughs> we do have pastoral care and counseling available for you if you need that be a blessing to you. Um, hey, we're in the holiday season. Uh, very excited for Christmas starting next Sunday, our Christmas at LifePoint series. So December, we focus on the four themes of Advent, hope, love, joy, and peace. So I wanna encourage you to bring friends during the Christmas season. Specifically, uh, make sure that you get one of our invite cards. We have this at every location and available for you as you walk out today. But our Christmas weekend service, so Christmas is on a Tuesday, I think this year, or Monday, uh, that Saturday and Sunday, we're gonna have six services. Our, our Austin campus will be joining us at our Rossview Road campus. And so we have two services on Saturday, three and five p.m. And then Sunday, our normal service time, 7.30, 9, 10.30, and noon. Also, so you know, the New Year's Eve service the following week will start at 9 a.m. We won't have the 7.30 service that week. And then we start 21 days of fasting. So feast all you want, everybody, because we're about to fast in January. But it's a great time for you to invite a friend to any of our Christmas at LifePoint services. Uh, this is, uh, there's a, a recent statistic I heard one of our pastors quote, over 80% of non-church attenders would come if they were personally invited. So I just want you to know there are friends and relatives and neighbors and coworkers with you that would come to your church if you would simply invite them. And so I wanna encourage you to grab an invite card for our Christmas weekend services or just invite them to any of these uh, December services. It will be a blessing to them and to you as well. As always, uh, let me just take a moment and say thank you for being a generous church. We're gonna get into our last message in our Ruth series in just a moment. First of all, can we just give a shout out to Stephanie for crushing it last Sunday? What a great job, man. I told y'all, she preaches at me all the time, so y'all needed to get a little dose of that. And I have decided not to even mention the video that she showed. I'm not even gonna talk about it. I'm not gonna bring it up. I'm not gonna mention it. I'm not gonna passive aggressively throw shade, nothing. That is cold-blooded. But I told her to do it. So it's, <laughs> I said, yes, of course you need to show that video. Honestly, Stephanie did such a great job and uh, we love getting to serve you. And uh, she, when we started 15, 14 years ago, we've been here 13 and a half years. She said, please don't ever ask me to speak in public. Please don't, I'm a behind the scenes person. And just to see her grow as a communicator and speaker, she just did tremendous. I'm so proud of my wife. And so thank you for your kindness to her as well. And you're gonna get to hear more from her as we move forward as a church. Amen, everybody. 
As always, thanks for being a generous church. We believe in and practice the discipline of tithing where we bring our first 10% to the Lord. This is scripture's plan throughout the Bible that we bring our first 10% to the Lord and we give it to God through our church. And listen, I wanna encourage you, this is not a bill, this isn't a tax, this is a gift to God as an act of worship. This should be a posture of, Lord, I'm so thankful for all you've done for me. It is my privilege to honor you with my first fruits, my first 10%, and we bring that to the Lord through his church. At this time of year, Christmas season, we're all wanting to get the greatest gifts for our friends and family. We wanna bless so many people, and I wanna encourage you to make sure that you you keep your heart postured in the right direction when it comes to this area of our life of finances. And listen, I got four kids, I got family and friends that I wanna buy for, and, and our kids have turned in their lists, you know, and they, they want a lot of great things. But I, I just wanna remind us that, man, the greatest gift we have is Jesus, the greatest gift we have is our salvation, and we wanna stay generous to the Lord even as we are generously giving to others. In 1 Timothy chapter six, Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, with a, an encouragement and kind of a warning And he says it like this, godliness with contentment is great gain. How many of you know it's great to be godly? It's also great to be content. This should be your Christmas gift to all your children this year. Contentment, just on a piece of paper. This is what you get. And then 1 Timothy 6, 6. Just put that, wrap it in their stocking. This will be great. And your kids will shoot me the following Sunday. (laughs) I do think it's important that we remember, listen to what he says. We brought nothing in this world, we take nothing with us. So all the things that we kind of chase after at this season, just remember, it's just for now. It's just temporary. We don't get to have it forever. He said, if we have food and clothing with these, that's enough. We should be content. So listen, bless your family, bless your friends, and bless your God in this season. Just remember, like, godliness, contentment, these are higher virtues than giftedness and and a, 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 a mass of stuff. Be a blessing to people, but be a blessing to the Lord. And remember, man, we wanna keep him in first position in our heart in everything. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Lord, bless the opportunity that we have to give. Whether you give online, through the mail, or however you do it, thank you for being a generous church. Today, we are in the fourth and final week of our Ruth series. And honestly, we've been able to glean, Ruth joke, we've been able to glean from a lot of voices in this series Uh, Skip Heitzig has informed us, The Bible Project. If you've not watched any of The Bible Project videos on YouTube, I wanna encourage you to watch those. About every book in the Bible has been written with an overview of the scripture. Uh, Of course, Logos Software and other commentaries, but we get to hear from one of my favorite voices today as we finish out this series. He's he's been a great friend to me. I, I consider, I actually, every time I talk to him, I call him Bishop, but he is like a big brother to me. He treats me like a younger brother. He keeps me in the line, in the rails, and he speaks prophetically and, and powerfully in my life, and he has to our church numerous times. He is no stranger to LifePoint. Uh, if you're new in the last year or so, you, you may not have met him before, but he is a tremendous leader. Honestly, worldwide um, leadership, his, his, his reach goes quite far, but he's incredibly humble, genuine guy, and loves the Lord, and I love that he can preach. I'm not talking teach, he can preach. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? Where's my amen crowd at today? Would you give it up for our good friend, Pastor Choco De Jesus, everybody? Come on now. Well, good morning. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and Savior and our Redeemer and soon in coming King. He's not dead. I spoke to him this morning and he wants me to tell you that he loves you. Even in your mess, he loves you. And he can change the course of history in your life just by a decision. 
All you need to do is choose. Every single one of us here at the sound of my voice, you have a choice. I'm so glad to be back at LifePoint. My wife and I, Elizabeth, she, she's coming to the third service. We love your pastors, Mike and Stephanie. We're just so proud of what they're doing here in Tennessee and how God is using him across this nation as a voice. Would you give it up for our pastor, him and his lovely wife? Killed it last week. She killed it last week with just ask. And uh, you've been learning from the book of Ruth. And uh, before I get into that, can I just show you quickly my pictures of my family? Here's a picture of my lovely wife, Elizabeth. We've been married for 35 years to the glory of God. And uh, I tell people when she was 12, I was 14, I asked her how to be my girlfriend. And true story, we didn't date till she was 17 and I was 19. Uh, we uh, pastored a church in Chicago for 19 years. And we have three beautiful adult children. You saw my daughter here this today. Let me show you a picture of my tribe. This is my tribe. Two girls and a boy. All of them are married. And they're out of the house. Come on, somebody rejoice. Yes. Woo. Got my girlfriend back. Amen. Glory to God. We got, uh, uh, we've got some grandchildren. Let me show you quickly a picture of my uh, grandchildren. So uh, these are my six grandchildren. And uh, Charlie Grace, which is Alex's daughter, I didn't say this in the first service, but Charlie, she FaceTimed me maybe like seven months ago, and she said, Papa, I have a question for you. I said, what's your question, Charlie? She said, Papa, do you have the mostest money out of everybody? I said, Charlie, I don't have the mostest money out of everybody, but if you're asking if I got more money than your mother and father, then yes, I do. She said, good, I need some things, Papa. $300 later in Amazon, we ordered. Come on, how many are grandparents in the house? I tell people that God should have given us the grandchildren first. I'm telling you, what a joy. What a joy. And so we're just glad to be back home. We love, we, this is our home. Mike and his wife and his lovely daughters are like family to us. And I now serve the general counsel of the Assemblies of God in Springfield, Missouri. And I get to travel and there's, I get to pick places. And this is one of my favorite places to come and just be at home with you all and bring you the word. Are you ready for the word this morning? So we're at chapter four, the book of Ruth, chapter four. Chapter four. According to Jewish laws, there are three requirements. Chapter four, if you're taking notes, is all about Boaz. Chapter one, you heard from Pastor Mike. This is about the situation between Naomi and her husband who passed away. Chapter two and three is about the, the boys, they died, and now is Naomi and Ruth and Orpah. She's left with the daughter-in-laws, and, and, and they make a decision. Naomi makes a decision to go back to Bethlehem. And that's happening in chapter 2 and 3. Boaz is shown in chapter 3. You learned about that last week. But chapter 4 is about Boaz. And everybody needs a Boaz. Everybody needs a redeemer. To redeem your family, to redeem your lineage. Listen to me, according to sociologists, I should be dead in Chicago, I should be in prison in Chicago, but I should not be preaching here at LifePoint, but God. God has a way to redeem. My father was an alcoholic, and he impacted three of my brothers to become alcoholic. But in my lineage, I made a decision. I made a choice to break that. This will not happen in my family. You have a choice this morning. By the time you leave here this morning, you will make a choice. 
whom you're going to serve. What God you're going to serve. So chapter 4, if you're taking notes, is about Boaz. Boaz. According to Jewish laws, there are three requirements needed to qualify as a kinsman redeemer. Number one, he needs to be a near kinsman. He needs to be a near kinsman. Number two, he must be willing to redeem. Number three, he must be willing to, he must be able to redeem. So one, he's got to be near. Two, he's got to be willing. And three, he's got to be able. Let me, we, we, we gave you guys an overlook of what one and two and three of the book of Ruth looks like. You saw that, you heard it in the last. And if you're new here at the church, this is your first time at LifePoint, let me give you a quick overview quickly of chapter one. It's the story about a husband and a wife that were fa facing famine. They leave Bethlehem and go to Moab. It's another part, another country. In this country, Elimelech dies, the husband dies of Naomi. They have two children and they marry two women that are Moabites. The two boys die. Now Naomi is left with the two daughter-in-laws. She tells the two daughter-in-laws, and I'm paraphrasing, she tells the two daughter-in-laws, hey girls, you, you, you should go on with your lives. You're younger than I am. You can find another husband. One of the daughter-in-laws says, I'm out. I'll take off this ramp. You're giving me a way out. I'm out of here. Ruth, on the other hand, her other daughter-in-law says, no way. As a matter of fact, the Bible says she clings on to Naomi. She holds on to her and she tells her, where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. Your God would be my God. And I mean, what a beautiful, how many of our daughter-in-laws like that? They leave Moab and they head towards Bethlehem. And as they go towards Bethlehem, Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, is where Boaz comes into the picture. Everybody here this morning loves a romantic movie. I mean, come on. Ruth beats Casablanca. I mean, it beats Gone with the Wind. The West Side Story is a romantic movie, but Ruth beats the West Side Story. And my favorite romantic movie, Ever After. How many have ever seen Ever After? Great, three people, bless the Lord. <laughs> Actually, the whole entire Bible, the entire Bible itself, it's a love story with a happy ending. The Bible is a picture of a father looking for a bride for his son. Ruth is a reversal, a bride looking for a groom. In the book of Ruth, there are 85 verses in the entire four chapters. The word redeem is mentioned 23 times. To redeem means to buy back, means to ransom, to, to pay the price. When you redeem something, you're going to sacrifice. You're going to take a risk. That's to redeem. And according to Jewish law, a kinsman needed to be a near relative in order to step in into action to redeem Naomi and Ruth. Now, I haven't started preaching because this is my introduction. In order for this to happen, the guy who's going to redeem Naomi and Ruth is really redeeming 
the lineage of the dead husband. That you're willing to give of yourself so that the dead husband's name can continue on. Are you with me so far? So what happens in chapter 3, really quickly, Naomi tells Ruth, go by the bed, uncover his feet, and just stay there. He'll know what to do. He wakes up like, oh, what are you doing? And she's essentially saying to Boaz, Ruth is, I'm willing to marry you. She's proposing. That's what's happening in 2023. Where women are like, you know what, you're too slow, bro. You want to marry me? Boaz said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we go any further in this conversation, there is another kinsman who's closer to Naomi than I am. I'm willing to, but we got to wait till tomorrow morning. Stay right there. And let me just think this out. I love this strategy. Look at this guy. Look at this leader. I've got a plan here. Here's this woman, a younger woman who wants to marry me. She's got all these choices to make from all these young guys, but she chooses me. We get to verse chapter four. Let's go there. In chapter four, Boaz went to the town and took a seat. And there, there, just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. They, so they sat down together, verse two. Then Boaz called 10 leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, I'm paraphrasing, yo, bro, you know Naomi? She was in Moab. She was in chapter one. She came back. And she came back from Moab. And she's selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. Verse four, I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it for, if you wish. And if you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I'm next in line and I want to redeem it. I don't know, between you and me and the fence post, I don't know where Naomi is at and Ruth is. But I'm sure they're thinking, oh, please, please pass. I hope this guy doesn't want to do it. Because now Ruth is looking at the guy like, I don't want to marry him. I want to marry Boaz. And the guy says, the guy who's no name, let's just call him no name. The no name guy said, I'll do it. I'll redeem it. And I'm sure that Naomi and Ruth behind her, they're like, and then Boaz says, oh, you're redeeming. Oh, by the way, if you redeem the land, you got to take the girl. She's a Moab. How many times does he have to tell him that he's a, she's a Moab? She's from Moab. She's a Moabite. And if you're going to take the land, you got to take the girl. Oh, ho, 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 ho. whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know that was part of the contract. I just thought I just can get the asset. Give me the field. I'll take the feel, not the person, not the commitment. I'm talking to some single people here. You better be careful with people who just want to play the field, who just want the feel and not the commitment. You got to be careful because in the world we live in, you got people, oh my God, yo, yo, le amo. I just love him. Oh my God, Pastor Choco. He just, when I see him, he just takes my breath away. I'm like, mija, that's called asthma. <laughs> Move on. You better be careful who you choose to be in your life. 
You better be careful who you allow to come in who just wants to play the field and not the commitment. So the moment that the no-name guy heard that there was a woman involved, there was a widow involved, and that he had this responsibility, here's what he said. No, 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 no. There's just no way. There's no way I can do this. My inheritance, my name. Boaz says, the moment you purchase the land, Naomi, also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name, the dead guy, and keep the land in the family. I told you chapter four is about Boaz. Everybody wants to a Boaz. Because Boaz is a picture of Christ. Ruth is a picture of the church. Naomi is a representation of the Holy Spirit. Naomi comes alongside Ruth in chapter 3. And you can see her giving her wisdom and guidance. And the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. And here Naomi is point, pointing towards Boaz. He's your redeemer. And we see that Boaz is not the first one in line. He knows it. And he sat by the gate, because that's where you go. In those days, in the first century, you had to deal with civil issues at the gate so there can be witnesses. And he sat at the gate, and he waited, he waited. I know some of you think, where is God through all this? But I'm here to tell you, all these four chapters, God is woven in here. He's in there. He waited by the gate for the right moment. Can you imagine waiting there for an hour, two hours, how many guys would be willing to stay by the gate for five hours before saying, I'm out of here. I'm not going to marry Ruth. But he waited. Let me just say, side note, if you're taking notes, don't go ahead of God. God is working even when you don't see that he's working. The Bible said that he saw the other relative passing by and then asked him to sit down. He invited 10 elders to sit down to serve as witnesses and regarding the land, the legacy, and the lives of these individuals. I can't, he said, I can't. It's too risky. I have my own inheritance, my own name. I have to protect my assets. And if I marry her, Ruth, I've got to give her half of my assets. Let me stop here for a moment. Look at me for a moment. The world we live in doesn't help us. The world we live in doesn't help us pursue selflessness. It promotes selfishness. Let me say that again because when I I wrote this, I thought everybody was going to say amen. I'm going to say it again so everybody can say amen. The world we live in doesn't help us pursue selflessness. It promotes selfishness. You say, how do you know that, Pastor Choco? Just look look at Instagram. We pose for selfies. And then we edit what we don't like. We edit the selfie. That's you. Why are you editing you? We only promote the parts that we do like. All I'm trying to tell you, teach you this morning is that we live in a world that's full of selfish people. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit or vain conceit, but in humility, watch this church, but in humility, consider others better than your. Some of you are thinking I should have stayed home because Pastor, Pastor Choker is all about me. And I'm trying to tell you that it's not about you. 
that if you're going to be a Boaz, if you're going to save your family and your lineage, although what happened 50 years ago and 75 years ago, you could cut this right now. You can make a decision right now because you have a redeemer and his name is Jesus. The kinsman redeemer must be a near kinsman. That is the reason that Boaz could act because he was the near kinsman redeemer. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he's our kinsman redeemer. Hebrews 2.14 says this, since we, God's children, are human beings made out of flesh and blood, he became flesh and blood too by being born in human form. For only as human being could he die. Only as human. He came to redeem us. He left his throne in heaven and he put on skin. If you're going to redeem somebody, you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice your lives. That's what we do as parents, as husbands, as wives, as moms. Number two, the kinsman must be willing to redeem. Verse six says this, I cannot redeem it. The family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land, I can't do this. Now in those days, there was a custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of a purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. Verse eight, so the other family redeemer drew off his sandal and he said to Boaz, bro, you buy the land and take the girl. This is the most romantic part here. Then Boaz said, I, I'm, I'm, by now, I'm sure there's a crowd of people. We got the 10. But this is the gate where people are watching transactions happening. And you could see Ruth and Naomi probably in the back listening to what happened. And then Boaz says to the elders in the crowd standing around, you are witnesses that today I have bought Naomi and all the property of Elimelech. Verse 10, and with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malan, to be my wife. Oh, my life. He silenced the crowd. On this day, I make a decision. I choose to marry this widow so that her dead husband lineage can continue. This way that she can have a son and carry on the family name of her dead husband. And to, can you imagine Ruth looking at him? Oh my gosh, she's melting like chocolate. She's like, oh my God. This day, I marry this woman. I give my life away. I mean, you just add whatever you want. This is a romantic story. Boaz was willing. He wasn't pushed to it. He didn't have to be convinced. He was not the first dude in line. He too can reject it and said, I'm not doing it. He knew that this was the right thing to do. Listen to me. When you make a decision, a choice, it's the right thing to do. Even if it's not popular, even if it's not politically correct, it's the right thing to do. Jesus Christ is willing to die for you. God loves us so much that he gave his son. It's the right thing to do. It reminds me of a building in Chicago. I took some of the elders to go look at this building and it was the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And they said, we should buy this building and knock it down. And I'm saying, why knock it down? We can strengthen this bad boy up. 
It just the, the two by fours and all the, the wood. We can, I'm sure we can straighten this up. Pastor Chaka, this thing is leaning. It's no good. And I looked at him and said, hey, there was a time in your life you were leaning. And God strengthened you out. And now you can stand on a sure foundation. We could do the same to this building. Make a long story short. We took that building. We started remodeling. We put new roof, new windows, new wood inside. And today stands as a testament that although your family was leaning and you have a tree, if you are redeemed by the blood, God has a way of standing you straight on a sure foundation. Come on, somebody. He must be willing to redeem. Boaz was willing, not only willing, he wanted to redeem Ruth because he loved Ruth. Ruth is an expression that God can work without miracles. God was at work the entire time. But notice how God, how God was at work. Everyone was looking out for each other. Look at me, look at me. Look how God was working. Everyone was working for the betterment of the other person. Boaz was working for Ruth and giving her food and giving her protection. And, and, and Ruth was looking out for Naomi. And Naomi was looking out for, look at this beautiful relationship. But when you're selfish, you get off the ramp. All you do is think about yourself. This is a story about, I got your back. In our 2023 terminology, I got your back. Whatever it takes, I will redeem. I will help you, whatever it takes. But when you and I are selfish, we get off the ramp and we say, nah, it's too costly. What are people gonna say about me? They created a family that would bring the Savior into the world. You hear me? Because of the decision that Ruth made in chapter 1 and 2, I'll go where you go. Your people be my people. She made a decision. But you need to know this. You need to know this. That before that decision was made, there was another decision in, in, with Rahab and Joshua. When Rahab chose to serve the God of Israel over the king of Jericho, she made a choice. And because of her choice, look at the lineage. Because of her choice over here in Jericho, we have now Boaz. And because of the choice of Ruth, we now have Ro Boaz and Ruth. And now we have Obed. Obed has Jesse. Jesse has David. Jesus Christ. What are you saying, Pastor Choco? You have no idea your decision will impact four generations to come. Your great, great, great grandchildren will be blessed because somewhere in 2023 in Clarksville, Tennessee, you said, I'm going to cut this lineage of alcoholism. I'm going to cut this drug addiction. I'm going to cut it in the name of Jesus. And as for me and my house, you make a decision. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Number three, the kinsman must be able to redeem. We find it in chapter four, verse 13. Chapter four, verse 13 through 22. Listen to me, our God is not just willing to redeem, but he's able to redeem. His power to redeem this Puerto Rican kid from Chicago 
from a dysfunctional family, from an alcoholic family, who his father abandoned him at the age of eight years old. My God is able to redeem any family who says yes. And because at 14 years old, I said yes in 1977, you now have my daughter who's in her 30s serving the Lord and worshiping the Lord. I get the privilege to see the fruit of my yes. My God. I wish I can get a witness here this morning. Somebody that understands that your yes this morning has implications and your no this morning has implications to the fourth generation. Who knows that your great-great-grandchild would be the governor of Tennessee, would be the president of the United States. And because of this lineage, my God is able. I don't care how bad your family is. My God is able. Come on, say it with me. My God is able. Genesis 18, 14 says this, is anything too hard for the Lord? Jeremiah 32, 17 says this, nothing, nothing is too hard for you. Job 42, 2 says this, I know, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. God was working in the life of Ruth and Naomi. When Naomi lost her husband, God was at work. When Ruth couldn't bear a child, God was at work. When Ruth and Naomi found themselves widows with no way to provide for themselves, God was at work. You hear me? You believe that? He's there. He's in the room. It's like the teacher who says to the class, we're going to take a test. It's going to be one hour and we're going to be silent. Begin now. And you see the students. But where's the teacher? She's at her desk. He's at his desk. He's present. Even in the midst of a test, he's present. Like Job, I look to the left and I look to the right and I perceive you not. Where are you, God? He's there. He's there. God was at work. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Look at me, church. I'm about to end. We need to respond to his ability to redeem your family. You may have a knucklehead son. You may have a knucklehead daughter. You may have a father's a knucklehead. But my God is able to redeem them. When we allow God to be God, then God will do what only he can do. Say that again, Pastor Choco. That was so good. When we allow God to be God, then God will do what only he can do. You see, Ruth had her hands. So she worked with her hands. Boaz had the authority over the men and the field. Naomi had the wisdom to give. And at the end of this love story, we see that Ruth has a baby. Boaz has a wife. Naomi has a family. All I have is my hands. Then work. Do something. Watch God do what only God can do. 
who will work in your favor. Do you believe that this morning? Just when you think the movie is over. Have you ever been to the theater and, and you see all the credits and you get up with your popcorn? This happened to me many times. I get up and I'm walking. Is there more? This is, this is Ruth. Because then you hear this. The Bible says, and Naomi has the baby on her lap. Obed on her lap. And you think it's over. You get up with your popcorn. You're ready to leave. But don't leave. There's more. It says this. Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. Making you and I say to us at the end of Ruth there's a future down the road that the king will come out of this lineage and you get up from the theater you're like OMG there's a part two and then the ultimate redeemer comes into the scene Jesus and he said Choco I love you in your mess in Chicago I'm going to die for you they're going to spit on me. They're going to whip me. They're going to crucify me. But I love you. And he redeems me. Would you stand with me this morning for a moment? Let me finish here. Can I encourage you this morning to practice loyalty learn to serve like Ruth practice hospitality like Boaz obey legitimate authority Boaz says hey the law says I should step in when no name said I'm out of here by the way you never hear about the no name again ever the very thing that he was worried about, his legacy and his name, gone. But the guy you do hear about and who's in the lineage of Jesus is a man who said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die for this woman. Her husband is dead. But according to the laws, it says that the next kinsman must step in line and work and sacrifice. I'll do that for Let's learn from this book to honor. Let's learn from this book. Relationship is important. Let's learn from this book to trust God even when I don't see him. I know he's there. Does that make sense? And Jesse king of Israel. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, let me pray here this morning. How many of you here at the sound of my voice would say, Pastor Choco, I heard you this morning and you started this sermon about choices. I need to make a choice this morning. And I choose Jesus. I need him to redeem my lineage. I need him to redeem my life. Pray for me. 
If that's you here this morning, would you lift your hands quickly? I want to pray for you. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. I'm not asking you to join our church, but I'm asking you, do you need a redeemer? Do you need somebody to step in and to say, I'll give my life for her? And if you raise your hand in just a few moments, I'm going to say a prayer and I'll dismiss the church. But if you raise your hand, we've got altar workers. If you raise your hand, I want you to get out of your seat and come to one of these altar workers. Let them pray for you. And maybe you need other prayers, something that's going on in your family. Maybe forgiveness. I need to learn how to forgive quickly. Let me pray this morning. And then after my prayer, I'll give you the benediction. And then you'll be dismissed. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for Boaz. We thank you for Jesus who stood in the gap of humanity and said, I'll die. I'll put on flesh because I love them. My father loves them. Thank you that we do have a Boaz. Thank you for your love towards us. Even when we didn't love you, you still loved us. So I pray for these hands that went up this morning. Would you bless them, Lord? I pray, Lord, that they would sense your forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, would you be the author and the finisher of their faith this morning? And now, Lord, as we pray for dismissal, if you're comfortable, would you lift your hands for the benediction? Let me bless you this morning. Let me bless your family. Until we see each other again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord guide you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. And may the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you peace. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. We're so happy that you joined us today. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus, stay connected or partner with us through generosity, be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope that you have a blessed week and we'll see you next Sunday.